Hello everyone, Jay Stancil here from Product Coalition. Today I've got another product people interview for you. It's different to any of the ones before again. Today I'm speaking to Pranav from, uh, he's from the product team at Flipkart. Uh, if you don't know about Flipkart, you should. Fantastic e-commerce success story um, from, from India. And today we're going to be talking um, a little bit around specifically product management in uh, an emerging market in the Indian market and um, thoughts, ways of working, challenges um, that Pranav has had whilst um, getting underway and being a, a product manager but also a founder of his own product. So Pranav, thank you for making some time for us. Um, pleasure to Thanks have you join me. me. Um, would you like to get, get started just to introduce yourself and how you've ended up in, in a product team role at um, Flipkart. Sure. Uh, so I've pretty much been building for the Indian market for around four years now. Uh, I started with uh, my own startup, which was uh, an AI and machine learning based uh, sort of uh, equity market tool for retail investments in India. Uh, I moved on from there uh, to a year-long stint in Goldman Sachs. Uh, I was kind of building technologies at Goldman Sachs. Uh, from there on, I went to this uh, retail, uh, uh, basically a real estate market player called Housing, uh, where we used to uh, build out a product for buying and um, renting properties in India. And from there on, I moved to Flipkart and I started working with the product team. So that's been the journey so far. Uh, and I've always been in product, so it's not like I've ever shifted uh, focus from product, so that's kind of... Fantastic, thank you. Um, re really interested to hear your thoughts. Um, let, let's get started um, around, we talked a bit on email before the interview, around some of the unique constraints and innovations that um, come with um, building products for, for a market like India. Um, yeah. Well, can you talk through um, your your thoughts and feelings on on that? Okay, uh, so India is uh, a challenging market mainly because you have to build for a lot of diversity. Uh, so, if I were to give you an example, uh, India has the second largest number of English speakers, uh, only after the United States, and uh, that's only about ten percent of the population that can understand English. And at the same time, it's nobody's first language. Uh, so, uh, one of the biggest challenges is uh, what language do you build in if you want to access the entire country and there is none. Wow. So, uh, you kind of have to build in English. Uh, you can branch out into regional languages but then you can't start out with regional languages because it can't scale. Uh, so you have to build in English and then you have to make it so simple that most of the population gets it. I mean, everyone gets, uh, I would say around 25-30% of the population gets basic English. Uh, so you kind of have to build, uh, keeping in mind the fact that somebody who is very fluent, almost native fluent in English can get your product as well as somebody who's, uh, who knows just about a few words. So that's one of the biggest challenges building for India. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, the internet speed is hugely different across different uh, channels. So there are, the average speed is around 3.6 Mbps, uh, which is fairly low, uh, but then you also have users who are using less than one Mbps and you, especially for online products, you need to make sure that they're optimized for both uh, the experience for high-speed internet as well as uh, 
the basic experience for uh, low speed internet so these are the kind of constraints we operate in and uh, if i were to be specific about uh, online technologies that kind of charge the user uh, it, so india is not very comfortable using uh, cards and online payments just yet uh, most of the transactions happen in cash uh, so you you'd see this uh, sort of a phenomenon called cash on delivery which kind of started in india uh so you get the product and then you pay for it in cash uh so the logistics thereof are a little bit of a challenge to handle and uh obviously if you're building with cash on delivery then there's always uh more frauds more fraudulent transactions mm. more uh it kind of adds a lot of baggage to your product if you're dealing in cash uh so then how do you get these guys to get comfortable in cards and kind of move your transactions from a cash space to a card space or just getting so when i was doing my startup uh, it was entirely online and it was um, all to do with stock market so no physical product delivery um, how do you get these guys to pay for the product first off uh, nobody pays for content uh, and uh, second uh, you don't pay online so uh, these are kind of some of the challenges that we build in in india uh, but then the reward for it is the scale that the country offers it's like uh 100 200 million uh internet users which is much larger than most of the other countries out there so yeah wow fantastic i suppose the upside to cash that immediately springs to mind for me is you're not having to pay paypal and banks fees but uh i can imagine the complexities <laughs> on the reverse yeah. uh, uh is huge and um that's really interesting i've never had to even consider that before um yeah um we take it for granted certainly here in australia um that payment digital payments uh, are front of mind for everyone um and as yeah. well as the language considerations that that's that's really interesting um is that something that you have to test um, when you talk about um keeping the the type of english you use and uh it being basic is that something you test with people or do you have people who who are just experts in writing content the right way for the entire population in english uh not really no uh, so in at my startup or in uh, housing uh i wrote most of the content so uh the only way to go about it is to test okay. uh you kind of hand over the product to some of your target users and you just ask them if everything's good to go uh also uh, when you start building uh, something especially here uh it's not like we're directly uh, building for uh, the mass audience we kind of um, tear out our audience in such a way that uh, so let's take the example of the retail investment business right uh, so most of the guys who are going to make investments are already familiar with a good level of english so language doesn't become a constraint there uh, most of the guys who are going to rent in houses uh, are slightly basic familiarity with english is there so uh, it's only when you kind of start to approach the mass market that um, the problem with language arises uh, so products like um, so there's there's this product called paytm uh, which is uh, really popular in india so it's a it's a digital payment system uh, and they're basically trying to get uh, all of the guys uh, in tier 2 tier 3 cities who pay in cash uh, to uh, get into online transactions so their language becomes extremely important because you're essentially dealing with someone who 
has lower levels of uh, internet exposure someone who's uh, not very familiar with the online market in general and they're not familiar with the language so you kind of roll it out you first roll it out to the niche audiences where you test it out in your mvp uh then you scale it a little bit i mean even without uh, looking at the english nuances you have a good 10 20 million people at least who are going to access your product and only when you've saturated that market do you actually move on to i mean that's the approach that most people have been following especially in the large startup space uh but then there are startups who build for the niche where they kind of have to iterate so there's this uh there was a startup that i was recently reading about they build uh apps for uh farmers uh to get all of their supplies online uh that's where they will have to concentrate on the language uh it has to be as text free as possible yeah wow it's fascinating uh, it's really interesting Can I ask you um something I've just made a note of here um it relates to an article I read today around um Facebook is obviously looking at providing uh, a a web that's free for everyone but the, yep. the the downside to that is it looks like it'll be constrained to within Facebook what, what, mm-hmm. from a commercial aspect um what are your thoughts on on that All right uh so i'm kind of going to segregate this whole net neutrality debate into two perspectives right one is uh how it impacts businesses and the other is how it actually impacts people who don't have access to internet right now okay. right uh so from a business perspective it's a slightly scary thought uh considering that facebook is essentially going to control uh who can access internet uh but uh really for uh for me uh i've been in a in a background where uh, i've kind of taken internet access for granted uh so judging whether uh giving access to uh people who've not seen the internet yet uh is not a call that anyone who currently uses the internet can take uh i mean we have to first show these guys what internet is uh in order to later decide whether it needs to be free or not uh so in that sense i'm all for uh facebook doing what it's doing uh mainly because it kind of exposes an entire new population to the internet and to what it can do uh so yes there are a few downsides for businesses but uh it's kind of a paradigm shift for the country so i'm pretty excited about it okay that's really interesting thank you um when it comes to building a product for the indian market or or for a product that exists in an alternate market and looking to enter the indian market what are some easy mistakes that you see um i've made often or made easily uh so i'm going to give you an example that uh, i got from uber uh so when uber is uh, launched in india they went with the whole uh, luxury transportation system right so all of the cars that you would see on uber were uh, long suvs sometimes mercedes and uh, it just didn't pick up at that point because uh, the price point is very high to balance uh and in india it was uh, so taking a taxi in india before uber uh, came in and before the local uh, businesses like ola which is now a huge startup but Ola was just like tiny back then and taking a cab was seen as something like a luxury and uh, Uber kind of tried to cash in on the luxury segment which was uh, what i believe uh, a huge mistake because nobody was going to book a cab if you placed it in the luxury st- uh, segment so then Uber pivoted uh, they got uh, smaller hatchback cars and they kind of opened up the model they partnered with more drivers 
so uh, restricting access to a luxury segment i believe is one pitfall that should be avoided in india mm. uh, another is uh, kind of underestimating the power of free uh so india runs a lot on discounts on uh freeware and there's a lot of competition in the market so uh most of the companies would offer deep discounts and uh if you kind of get into the spiral of discounting in india then it's just a bottomless pit so uh need to have a very strong very well thought out uh revenue model a very well thought out product which can adapt to the locals uh because uh startups have risen and fallen because of the deep discounting model so that's one more pitfall that i would say needs to be avoided okay so when when pricing a product um do you have to assume that discount may need to come into it at some part and make sure that that's considered or are you saying try to stay clear of it completely heavy discounting otherwise you'll just keep going yes. so uh, heavy discounting is going to be essential for uh, a little part of your product journey mainly because okay. that's what's going to drive adoption especially if your uh, product is differentiated and not different uh, in that sense if you want to stand out with competition you will have to use discounting to uh, at the initial phases but then you should quickly move on to a more sustainable revenue model okay fantastic Um I would like to talk through a little bit around um a specific part of your experience AI and, and machine learning. Um it's it's yeah. a it's a hot topic right now. It has been for the last 12 months specifically. Um Yep. Uh, can you talk about what for for some product managers this this is probably something they're going to have to look at understanding a lot more in, in if not the months or the years ahead um if they don't mm -hmm. already um could you talk a little bit around your experience with that technology and um, what what you learn as a product manager um so uh, one of the most important things that i learned while working on ai is that it's not that complex uh product managers can very easily understand ai and machine learning regardless of their background uh and they should because uh, it helps shape your product a lot uh so when i was building at the financial uh, services space uh a lot of the ai was uh, initially thought of to be very complex but then i uh, as i went through it i kind of realized that a lot of the inputs a lot of the decision makers to the ai uh were actually coming from me uh, who was in the product role uh so you have to get your hands dirty with ai uh, and it's not that complex uh it's very easily manageable at least the basics uh and if the product manager kind of understands ai and data a little bit uh the product gets a much sharper focus uh if you leave just engineering to build uh an ai product it kind of becomes uh very heavy on the users uh but if the product manager is involved it kind of maintains a simple agile data model um uh, it's very easily scalable uh it fulfills every requirement of your users uh I mean I wouldn't say tech comes second but uh the user requirements should always come first and that's why the product manager needs to actively understand AI so that you understand what your users need. Brilliant. Is it one of those technologies where it's the best way to learn it and understand it is to get your hands on it as opposed to trying to do a course online um around AI? Uh so I started an online started with an online course but okay. uh I would really say uh, 
code out a neural network code out a basic neural network yeah it's not that difficult uh, it's all in matlab it's all in octave uh, any of these open source softwares and it's really almost as simple as drag and drop it's just mathematics a little bit that you need to understand you don't even need to code that much but if you've coded a neural network you understand it completely so i would say anyone who's starting out in neural nets or ai uh, should code brilliant okay great 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 to know um I'd change focus a little bit around um, ways of working um, for you personally as a product manager. Um, what is it that um, you find works really well for you for, for building and maintaining um, a product as best you can? Uh, and where do you see sort of your focus changing maybe in 2017? Okay. So, uh I usually work um in two stages whenever I'm building my product um let's around 20 to 30% of my time uh, as a product manager is completely mine uh, I need to think about what I'm doing I need to structure the problem and especially in the initial project kickoff phases uh I take about 20% of the project time just for myself uh just thinking about how I want to build out the product uh, and then I uh, so I usually tend to open up I, I make a product requirement document and i tend to open it up for questions to anyone in the team and uh, if possible anyone outside of it and that i believe uh, works very well for me uh, it's a very good feedback loop sort of uh, where everyone's asking questions and uh, even if the question is completely irrelevant completely off topic it usually adds another dimension to your product document uh, it's probably something that the engineers will not easily understand it's probably something that uh, design needs more clarity on but uh, as long as you open the floor up for questions uh, it kind of gives me at least a, a lot of new ideas it uh, structures my document a little bit more and uh, once this is concretized is when uh, i get into the uh, project management pieces kind of ensuring that uh, engineering has everything that they need design has everything that they need um that is typically around 40 to 50% of uh, my project time and uh, the last 20 30% is all about testing uh, so uh, i've had a team for testing out my products almost everywhere i've worked so far but i also sit and test a lot uh, because uh, there are some things that uh, from a ux perspective you would understand uh, only if you test out the product uh, yourself and this is not something that your testing team is going to come and say like they're not going to tell you that this flow is complex you kind of need to know it yourself uh, so yeah that's about how i split my uh, okay. time as a product manager uh, and so uh, over the next one or two years i think uh, i would be concentrating a little bit more on uh, high technology products uh, rather than building something on an established platform uh, in the sense of i want to get back into my uh, ai or machine learning uh, language processing all of that because i think uh, really interesting products can come out of it and uh, there's one project of mine that i've been working on that i'm very fond of uh, so the premise is that uh, language is not necessary to operate uh, an app or a website uh, so then how do you teach someone to use a website uh, one of the best methods that i found works is uh, feedback 
so uh, it's come to think of it it's actually how we all learn language uh, in the sense that uh, the first language that you picked up has been through feedback somebody said run and then they started running that's how you know the activity associates with the word and kind of extrapolating that on a much simpler much more user friendly way to teach people how to use an app without language uh, it's massive it's uh, i don't know if it will work but that's where i'm exploring right now fantastic exciting um the, the last question I've got for you which is one I'm looking forward to hearing a story about the most. Um let's talk about working at gunpoint. <laughs> okay, this is going to come up. Uh so I was working at uh the in with the retail sector in India, uh, real estate. And in real estate is very fragmented. Uh, a little bit of it is organized, a lot of it is not. and uh, i was working on a product that would kind of uh, help you gauge the quality of your real estate agent and uh, obviously it doesn't fare well with all real estate agents so i kind of uh, i was i was at my office i was working and i kind of get get a call from one of my sales reps saying do listen i am sitting here at gunpoint uh, there's a gun right in front of me uh, this real estate agent really wants you to pull back the product and you need to talk to him <laughs> and i was like Okay. Wow. <laughs> Give me the uh try and negotiate here and uh so we kind of got our sales rep out. Um, I stepped in. I talked to the real estate agent. I like, you know, you're not doing very bad with this whole rating thing. You might want to try it out for a month or two. Uh kind of got the initial buy in from him uh and then from there on we had enough adoption that uh, gunpoint wasn't really scary anymore but <laughs> yeah uh, wow. it, it was very scary but yeah that yeah. that kind of no there's not there's not many uh, th- frameworks or methodologies you can apply for a uh, hand situation <laughs> yeah. so well done yeah. for for getting through that um thank you so much for for sharing some of your time and talking through um life as a product manager in india it's certainly unique for me and i've definitely got some some stories to to share and some thoughts to share when i talk to people about this as well so thank you very much <laughs> thanks a lot for having me this was a lot of fun uh, i really enjoyed it <laughs> and thank cool. you also prana for not mentioning the cricket um india are uh, Slaughtering, yes. <laughs> slaughtering England for those who may show a little bit of interest in the cricket. Thank you for not mentioning that as well. Be <laughs> graceful. <laughs> All good. Okay. Thank you very much, Pranav. Yep. Bye. Okay. So that's Pranav there. Um, Pranav's in the product team at Flipkart, huge e-commerce business in India, and. Uh, As I say, I certainly learned a lot in a short space of time around considerations and complexities for managing products in in India, and um, it goes to show that um, being a product manager can mean different things in different regions. Uh, and I'd certainly not given that um, quite so much thought as probably is deserved. That's all from me. Um, I look forward to sharing the next product people interview in future. Um, to see any of the previous interviews we've done, check out productcoalition.com, uh, or you'll find us on YouTube under Product Coalition. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks. Bye bye.